All right. Uh, and now for our, the uh, fellow talk, Mr. Tim Williams. Tim is in, as many of you know, in the advertising space and, in my opinion, is one of the most brilliant strategic thinkers, regardless of industry, that I've ever encountered. He also writes uh, a terrific blog. If you're not a part of his blog, please uh, get a hold of that. His writing from years and years of copywriting clearly is succinct and to the point. And I love reading his stuff because I know I'm going to get something out of it. And it's only going to take me three minutes to read it. So, Mr. Tim Williams. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> well, morning, everybody. This is uh, an expanded debt talk. I've been allowed just a little bit of extra time, but uh, I think they're going to pull me off here uh, if I go too long. I want to talk about a concept that I have found to be very powerful in implementing value-based pricing strategies, customer-based pricing strategies in firms. Uh, Ron and I talked briefly yesterday about we, we, need, a, we need a contest to rename value pricing. Uh, so if, if anybody wants to jot down thoughts about, better thoughts about what we call value pricing, uh, that would be welcome. Uh, as Ron said, it's not something we ever want to talk about uh, with our clients. But when you think about the, the client community, and this varies based on the size and sophistication of your, of your industry, in my core space in marketing, uh, the, the professional buyers in large uh, companies are, are very sophisticated at what they do. Uh, very often, the, the agencies, the large agencies, have to deal with procurement. Uh, these are professional uh, uh, people who have been to school. They've got initials behind their name. They get certified. They get recertified. They go to pr ProcureCon. That's a thing. Ron, have you spoken at ProcureCon? No, no. But, but you've probably been invited. I have. Uh, and so when they walk into a negotiation, these guys are really well armed. <laughs> right? They know what they're doing. And uh, they, because they, they have, uh, they've taken pricing uh, seriously, and then we walk in, all right? So this is an unfair fight. This, is, this, isn't, uh, this isn't a fair match because they've studied a lot of the pricing principles that most of us, uh, not this room, but our colleagues in, in our respective industries really haven't taken very seriously. So how do, we, how do we even the odds? How do we match professional buyers with, with professional sellers? And uh, my answer is by centralizing and formalizing the pricing competency. And, and, by, and, and one of the most effective ways to do that is this concept of a pricing council or a value council. Uh, I think, Ron, you prefer to call it a value council. Uh, I've heard Ron call it a pricing cartel. <laughs> That's pretty hardcore. Um, strategic pricing team. Um, I've heard lots of variations of this. But the concept is that, we, that inside a professional service organization that we select a small, and I mean small, group of senior professionals. In my view, six. Um, six or seven would be maximum. You know the Amazon two pizza rule. Never have a group that you can't feed with two pizzas. Uh, then they're, they're, it's, if, if, if not, that, that group's too large. Small groups get, get things done better than, than large groups. We all know that. But this group is 
is then assigned a very specific set of responsibilities uh, that are both foundational and transformational in bringing professional pricing to life inside the organization. Our goal here is to professionalize pricing as a core competency. Because in client organizations, pricing, as, as uh, this point has been made several times during this conference, they have a chief pricing officer. Pricing is centralized and taken seriously. In most professional firms, that's not true. We have, we have cost accounting, we have finance, we don't have a pricing unit, do we? We don't have a chief pricing officer. Ultimately, we do want to have that, that kind of person in an organization. But until we get that far, we, want a, we, need some, uh, we, we need some people inside the organization who are going to take this on, and that's the pricing council. So what I'd like to do is just review the model that our firm has developed uh, to uh, help uh, brief and coach the pricing council as they execute their various areas of responsibilities in their six portfolios. The first we call packaging value. This is uh, responsibility for identifying and understanding and packaging the value that we create for our clients. So uh, most professional firms are notorious for being good at what they do but not knowing how to sell it and not knowing how to package it up. You'd think ad agencies would know better. They're almost just as bad. And so uh, th this is the, this is the uh, group that, that takes responsibility for that. I'm going to show you some examples here in more detail. Second portfolio we call professional selling. And this is, this is the, the, the group that's responsible for meeting the predictable tactics, uh, tactics of professional buyers with the proven techniques of professional sellers. In other words, people who are trained in procurement and professional purchasing They've got a set of tactics they use against us all the time, and we're easy prey, right? We're, we, we fall for, for these uh, tactics all the time. So this is, this is the person who is charged with dealing effectively with that. The third we call pricing innovation, and this is the person charged with developing a diversified set of pricing strategies in place of a single standardized approach. So Ron talked about this yesterday. What we want is a variety of pricing methodologies that we apply. So it's not just, well, we're just we're going to move away from the hourly rate to fixed pricing. Okay, you should do some fixed pricing, and that's that's very basic form of value pricing. But there's a lot more creativity that we can inject into our into our pricing, and um, and and this also has to do with creating new revenue streams. The fourth we call effectiveness orientation. So this is uh, who in the organization is going to take charge of measuring what really matters instead of measuring billable time. Five is profit protection, and this is basically about the ensuring the profitability of the business you already have, applying some thought and analysis to that. And the last we call pricing professionalism, and this is the responsibility for evangelizing and socializing pricing as a competency throughout the entire organization. So let me just uh, drill down a little bit further on, on, on each of these. Let's start back with portfolio one. This is about, as I said, understanding, identifying, packaging the value we create for our clients. Uh, we have three work streams in each portfolio. So in this case, solution sets, language, value classes. By the way, I'm going to give you access to all of this, all these slides, to everybody who's here today. I'll put it up on SlideShare, but feel free to take notes as we go. So solution sets, what this, is, this is about uh, taking the really uninventive, unimaginative 
uh, list, bullet point list of services that we put on our websites, <laughs> right? Really, is that the best we can do? And packaging them up in more interesting ways that connote value. Um, the examples I have on the screen actually are all from ad agencies. And again, you think, well, here's somebody who knows, should know better. Some of you hire agencies to do your websites. Go look at their websites, and you'll see they, they're guilty of, uh, of the same crime. So it's, it's this idea of taking what we do, right, on the far left, and, and, and imagining those services as programs and then thinking through, okay, well, that leads to what kind of result? The input leads to an output, which leads to an outcome, right? That's the mental exercise. And so th this is the portfolio that thinks through that and uh, then represents this, the services of the firm in more interesting ways. This is also the portfolio responsible for the smile curve. You're familiar with this model, most of you. It's this idea that at the tips of the smile, we, we, we do things that are of high value to our clients. But at the trough of the curve are things that, that are lower perceived value, but actually occupy a lot of uh, our firm's time and energy. I call this magic and logic, right? The tips of the smile is the magic, the bottom of the trough. Logic, it's, they're two different classes of work with two different uh, forms of perceived value. So this portfolio, is responsible for decoupling those two classes. And I am a strong advocate that firms, either you can decouple yourself or you will be decoupled by your clients because these two classes of value should have two different uh, pricing strategies behind them. This is also the portfolio that is responsible for thinking through uh, what are some other higher value services that we could develop that, that transcend the, the, the magic we already have. Because most firms are, are playing over here in the area of overdeveloped services, overserved markets, uh, and by definition, this is gonna be low margin because there are many providers, right? This is the kind of work that clients can find uh, almost anywhere. They can find in their own postal code. What we wanna do is move over to the other side of the curve. This is the work of Clay, Clayton Christensen, where we've got Un unserved markets, underserved clients, unsatisfied client needs, and of course, this is where the high margin work is. What's scarce is valuable. So this portfolio is about thinking through what else could we do that's even higher value, and, and let's put that through a product development uh, program. Okay, portfolio two. This is professional selling. This is using the principles of professional selling to deal effectively with professional buyers. These guys are so well-trained, so well-armed. This has to do with proposals and agreements, the buying selling process itself, and the uh, pricing process internally as you price new uh, client assignments. So we all have to deal with proposals and agreements in terms of our agreements with, uh, b between us and, uh, and, and our, our buyers, our clients. Uh, but it starts with language. As Ron said, uh, language is so incredibly important. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to change the language of cost to the language of value. And one of the ver first things we do in working with pricing councils is help them reply to the standard obnoxious uh, uh, client request uh, for, could you send us your hourly rates with, different, with a different approach? Well, actually, no, we don't have hourly rates, but let us propose a different way that we could work with you. And so we help them with language like, 
reply saying this, unlike other firms, we don't sell time. We sell intellectual capital and business results. In fact, we believe the traditional ways most firms charge works against the best interests of both parties. Hours and time of staff are focused on efficiency. We, believe, we don't believe you're buying efficiency, you're buying effectiveness, and this goes on. Uh, but this is, this is arming them with new boilerplate language that can be used to reply to requests for new business. So this is the kind of thing the Pricing Council supplies to, to the front line people in your firm. Uh, this is also about redirecting uh, particularly procurement requests if you have to deal with that and discussions away from costs incurred to value created. Uh, this is the idea that while price and, and outputs uh, and inputs are all visible to the firm, only price and outputs should be visible to the client, right? The client shouldn't have any visibility into our inputs at all. So it's kind of none of their business. And this is also about uh, the world of options. Uh, we, we haven't, we've talked a little bit during this conference about options. I'm a huge, huge proponent of the idea that we should always, always, always present options. There's no time that you, that you quote a price for anything under any circumstance when you shouldn't put it in context of options. Always options. Even when the client says, I just want a single price, give them options. <laughs> so this, is the, um, th this portfolio is charged with, well, what's our version of options? Um, what, what are the assignments that we do over and over could we develop some templates so that we're not always reinventing the wheel? Let's at least have a starting point for options. Okay, portfolio three. This is about developing a diversified set of strategies in place of just a single approach. Uh, this is the idea of a pricing stack. I'll cover that in a second. Pricing diversification, new revenue streams. So this is kind of the fun portfolio. Uh, in uh, ad agencies, I normally want the creative director in charge of this portfolio because they, they uh, have a strong sense of the value they create, and of course they, they think creatively. So the, the, the idea here is that um, in place of what we used to have here, our standard hourly rates, we say to our clients, well, we don't have that, but what we do have is a pricing stack. You know of a technology stack, a software stack. You've heard this concept. This is applied to this idea of, well, we have a whole set, we have a whole array of pricing methodologies and strategies that we use with our clients. Now, some, some that are in this example may not be appropriate to, to a law and accounting, but some are. Subscription-based licensing, um, usage, uh, uh, that's IP strategy, dynamic pricing, Revenue sharing are all, those are all strategies that could be used by anyone in this room. And so what we want is uh, to um, take a more active look at uh, risk as an economic positive, right? Most of us work actively to avoid risk. This is the idea of how can we inject more risk into our business model because as Peter Drucker says, all profit is derived from risk. We want to make more money, we need to take more risk. So there are lots of models for evaluating risk. I happen to like this one about the knowns and unknowns. But we, we, want, to inject, we want to actively inject more risk into our own pricing and, and remuneration portfolios as firms. We, we're trying to move our firms away from uniform pricing, which is one way to make money, to variable pricing which is we make money in lots of different ways. And uh, there, there's, there are 
a, a lot of interesting models that prove why this is beneficial. This is the work of uh, Herman Simon, uh, showing the difference between what we can make in a profit rank rectangle versus the profit triangle by applying more diversification to our uh, our own uh, compensation mix. Now, this is very similar to how we save for retirement, isn't it? If we save just using, well, we're just going to invest in gold, right? That's not a great strategy for the future. We diversify our investment portfolio because we're basically managing risk, aren't we? We're injecting risk in, into our, our, our savings strategy. The same is true for our own compensation portfolios inside our firms. So that's, that's what this is, is about. And this is also about what are, what are brand new revenue streams that we could create that, that, that are in effect money while we sleep. We're making money when we go home at night. We're not having to, we're not having to be at our desks uh, doing something to make money. Could we create ongoing revenue streams by licensing uh, the considerable intellectual capital that resides in most firms? Could we take uh, what we do and and turn it into programs or products. Let me show you what I mean. Here at the, the the axes here are hard to scale, easy to scale, high margin, low margin. Well, what's what what com what comprises most of what we do here? We are at services. It's hard to it, impossible to scale, right? You can't scale if you're billing by the hour. That's not scalable, and it is by definition low margin. It it lacks it lacks creativity in terms of how we. Uh, of the margins that we can earn on it. So one step up is to take our services and turn them into programs, uh, to think creatively about um, how these solution sets might e equate to a program, give it a name, brand it. That's a higher value uh, sale. But better still, there are, some, there are some things that you do in your firm, and Matthew's firm has done, I mean, that's what, basically what he does. He productizes uh, what otherwise would be a service in a law firm. And of course, that's, that's much, much easier to scale. So there's op opportunities to do this in every firm, in, in our experience. Okay, uh, portfolio four is about uh, measuring what matters, developing systems to measure effectiveness instead of uh, efficiency. In other words, let's turn our attention away from uh, the, the, the feeding the time machine, and instead let's look at what really matters in terms of client, uh, client satisfaction. So this is about having an outcomes focus, measures of success, and it's also about the scope, scope management because that's the other side of the value pricing coin, isn't it, is, is better resource management. Outcomes focus uh, means let's have a let's institutionalize a diagnostic process in our firms where we have a we have a way of establishing measures of success metrics of success with clients. Um, I've worked with firms who have developed an, a, a full day success workshop. Uh, no doubt, you, everyone here has your version of this, but in my experience, most most firms spend precious little time exploring what are we trying to accomplish here. And we take the first answer that comes out of the client's mouth as, as uh, the, the thing that we then uh, put on our briefs and explain to our teams when that's not really nearly enough. So this, this idea of developing a, a formal diagnostic process, we explain to our clients, hey, by the way, the first thing we do with you when we begin a new engagement is we go off site for a full day 
we have a success workshop. It's kind of interesting, right? That then you're establishing that then you have a good understanding of the value you can really create for that client. We're too quick to jump uh, to to the scope of work that required outputs. Uh, we like this idea of scope of value, which is to back up and say, okay, yes, but first of all, what are we trying to accomplish here? And to institutionalize this idea uh, within our firms that, well, okay, we're talking about a scope of work here, but let's back up. What are the, what are the objectives? So this portfolio is designed to help, as I say, institutionalize that throughout the firm. Measures of success. So this is, uh, this is different for, for every firm, but... Uh, to have, in effect, at least a mental menu of success metrics that you bring to a client conversation um, because most clients are ill-prepared to answer the question, what are we trying to accomplish? In my world, you ask a client, what are you trying to accomplish? 74% of the time they will say, anybody want to guess? Sales. sales. Yeah, that's really useful. Sales. Right. You want to sell more. Okay. Right. Everybody wants to sell more. But what beyond sales? And more interestingly, what predicts sales? What drives sales? Sales is a lagging indicator, right? What, what are the leading indicators that underlie sales? And we all have our own versions of that. This is also the portfolio that, that is in, in, involved with what's your firm's version of a professional guarantee? Uh, how you back up what you do. And then the scope management piece. Uh, once you take away uh, timesheets and time tracking, then how do we allocate resources? How do we, how do we staff projects? And of course, there are all great answers for this. Ed, Ed Kless could come up and, and give you uh, uh, an hour's worth of, of, of learning on this or, or, or much more, I'm sure, Ed. Uh, but there are some interesting hacks that are being used in professional services on resource uh, management allocation, including this concept of t-shirt sizes. Have you heard of this? Some of the largest marketers and largest agencies on the planet plan their entire year of uh, hundreds of millions uh, or sometimes billions of marketing spend sitting back and saying, okay, well, let's see, is th this particular project is a small strategy, it's a medium ideation, but it's an extra large implementation. Or it's an extra large strategy, a large ideation, and a medium implementation. And they know what the, a small strategy, well, they know what the footprint of that is inside the organization. They don't have to, well, let's, we got to walk around and ask people about their estimated time on a, no, we kind of know what a small strategy, the impact that has in our organization. So it's a shortcut to resource allocation. Um, all right. Fifth portfolio we call profit protection. And this, this one is about, well, let's, let's ensure that the business we already have is, is profitable, and if it's not, let's, let's take some, some action. So uh, the 80-20 the, the analysis, we all should be doing this, and, and you know, every time I've ever done it, and probably every time you've ever done it, it's always true. It, it always works out. There's, there's a small group of clients producing most of your revenue, and, and most are... And, and, almost, you know, all of your profit in most cases. Um, what clients ought to be uh, repriced or outplaced? This is the job of the, of the pricing council. Do we understand who's buying our services? This is an idea borrowed from uh, web development, this idea of a buyer persona. 
a persona, which is a, a three-dimensional description of who your, who your buyer is on the client side. So we're dealing directly with uh, a, a CFO or, or a in-house counsel or, direct, or in my case, a chief marketing officer. Who are these people? What, what, are they, what are their beliefs? What motivates them? How do they get judged and compensated? Buyer personas. Uh, how do we vet prospects? Do we, do we know who the true economic buyer is in an organization? Do we have a system for, or at least an approach or, or, or uh, methodology for, for doing that? Okay, and then the last is uh, Portfolio 6. This is idea, the idea of, how, well, how do we get the word out so that all the, the associates and all the staff in our firm, all the partners, everybody who's not on the pricing council, that they also get what we're doing? So this is about internal adoption. Um, basically, staging an internal campaign within your firms to, to get the word out. Po posters, emails, meetings, uh, newsletters, um, uh, developing your own declaration of value. There's a, there's a Verisage declaration of value that's even uh, better and much longer <laughs> than this one. <laughs> but what's your version of that so that so that your staff reads that and says, oh, okay, I get that. We're, we, we must be serious because we're committing to these things moving forward. A professional development program internally so that other people in your firm besides you and besides the pricing council are actually reading pricing books and, and uh, taking advantage of the webinars presented by the Professional Pricing Society and others. So ongoing professional development around pricing, not just your core competencies and your profession, but pricing. Uh, and then making sure everyone understands that there's a new sheriff in town, we don't price like we used to. We're not, we're not doing the cost plus anymore, we're not doing the time base, we're not doing hourly rates, that, that, that's, that's then, here's now. We're going to start with the price before cost. We're going to start with value before we ever talk about uh, estimating the cost inside the firm. And also arming your entire firm, uh, at least those on the front lines, with a set of tools that all, will help them in, in their jobs. So the pricing council becomes uh, a resource for these tools uh, and templates. This is the group that's uh, charged with making sure act after action reviews happen, and we had uh, a great uh, session on that with Ron yesterday. So th this is the group that, that actually has this responsibility to make it happen. They institutionalize it. And um, also deciding, do we want to go public with this? If we truly believe that pricing is a, uh, pricing differently is a competitive advantage, which I strongly believe, should, should, we, should we make this something that we're known for? And some, uh, this is an outstanding example. This is an advertising agency marketing firm called Anomaly, great name. These guys started from the beginning with, with the idea that we don't believe we sell time. They've never done it. No one in that firm has ever done a timesheet. They, they, rather than doing work for hire, they actually own about a third of the work they do for their clients. They own the IP. That's pretty unusual. Every new pricing, every new client, they view as an opportunity to do something different, do something they've never done before. Let's price this in, in a way that we've never, never tried before. That's a pretty interesting attitude. And they're, a, they're a, a great answer to the question, can you run a successful firm without timesheets? Because Anomaly is the US 
advertising agency of the year, uh, uh, pro proclaimed by Advertising Age, the leading trade uh, publication. They are the agency of the year, meaning best in, in the country. <laughs> so uh, th this is... Um, uh, this is a question for your firm. Do we want to use our approach to pricing as a, uh, a way to differentiate our firm out publicly in the market? So that's it. I'm running down my clock. Pricing Council, six portfolios. This isn't the only way to approach it. This is a, a way that I found to be uh, useful and successful, and I'm, I'm happy to share uh, not only this uh, presentation, but, but some written documentation about Pricing Council uh, work with you if, if you'd like. I'll just close with a quote that I love uh, from a British ad man. He says, uh, talented professionals want to be swashbucklers, not a high 90s utilization number. They want to be part of Jack Sparrow's Black Pearl crew. <laughs> right? Isn't that what we want? <laughs> so uh, I'll leave it there and uh, happy to uh, follow up with any of you on this. And uh, Ed, I'll turn it back to you. No, actually, thank you, uh, thank you Tim. Yeah, applause, super.